assuming they're trained up. But man, putting the F sixteen and like you know, the, like you said, like the double digit Sam, uh, not the good spot to be in. Today, a senior administration official tells ABC News that President Biden has informed the G seven allies here that the United States has agreed to allow Ukrainian pilots to begin training to fly American-made F-16 fighter jets. And I'm curious of what that, I mean, they have fighter pilots that fly, you know, but to get them through training and get them spun up, I'm just, I'm just like, you know, here, the transition course we have for guys flying F-16s or F-15s that come fly F-35s. I mean, they're here for a couple months, and like, even at that point, they, we kick them out the door as wingmen. Such a bro. Yeah, such a bro. Welcome, everybody, here with Fiddy, and it's rain. If you're listening to this on the Afterburn podcast, soon you'll be able to go over and listen to Chalk Talk. This is our new podcast where you can go get just a, a weekly quick hit of what's happening out there in the world. You also can find us over on YouTube. Website's coming, as well as a newsletter where we promise we won't spam you, but you can find Maybe. all the good little nuggets of wisdom. 50 probably still smells like jet fuel as he just got out there, you know, got done defending freedom. And me, I'm just punching buttons here. So, <laughs> 50 man, how's it going? Well, what's happening, man? Oh, it's, it's just been a, it's been an interesting couple weeks. It's been a busy couple weeks. I know you've been busy. I've been busy. Yeah, a lot of traveling. So it's been good to connect again and yeah. kick out episode three, huh? Yeah, this is, uh, we're just getting after it. And I think with that, let's jump into the first kind of snippet which was f-18 crash out in spain i know that circled uh the social media realms but we'll take a look here if you're watching over on youtube if you haven't seen it yet and you can jump over uh, to our youtube channel which is a link down below and uh check out the video because uh it's kind of sporty so here we go oh man yeah it's you can see, I don't know, these guys look like they're, I don't know, what would you guess, like maybe a mile and a half away or so? Kind yeah. Of to tell. And he's looking like he's, I mean, just from his, it's tough to tell when he punched out. Is that the, the video, dot? Yeah, I can't yeah, tell. Yeah, the little speck. I mean, he looks like he can't be more than, his seat's like at 500 feet there and the jet is like 70 degrees yeah, right hand, or it looks like it's in you know, you know, ninety degrees, seventy degrees of bank, and then seventy degrees nose low. That is not a spot you want to be in. No joke, and especially you know for the guys that aren't around that stuff. Like we're talking fractions of a second, you know, from where that where he got the parachute out, you know, made the decision to get out of the jet. Well, I mean, a good point with that too, right? Like, I mean, probably nearly every ejection seat out there in modern fighters is a zero zero. So you can be at zero feet, zero knots, punch out and clear the fireball, but still in scenarios where you're 90 degrees nose low and just a couple hundred feet off or in a, in a, a steep bank, you might not be in an ejection envelope to actually get a safe separation or a safe shoot for that matter. So I think everyone saw the F 35 B crash back yep. at Fort worth. And was that January or February? which was impressive to see that seat work because the way that jet, you know, is kind of pitching forward. It's, he's obviously on the deck. Uh, granted, it wasn't a big fireball, but 
uh, I'm sure you know guys, I've, I've known guys um, who haven't made it out because the ejection seat had some kind of malfunction or, yeah, there was some other issue. So not a guarantee here. So awesome to see that uh, the pilot made it out safely. Hopefully no major, major injuries. Yeah. I mean, that's something you just take for granted. Like we get in the jet, you do the walk around, like you do the engine checks and do stuff. But besides just looking at the seat, you really put a lot of trust in the guys that, you know, the egress crews and you just kind of uh, hope and pray you don't have to use it. But man, you're sure thankful when uh, they do their job well and your seat actually works. Yeah, man. When it goes back to that Thunderbird crash, was it like, Oh six, seeing the video, he was yeah. an Eagle guy by trade and then going, watching his hands move from, um, you know, the, the side of the seat to the center of the seat, just, the, you know, a little bit. It's a fraction of a second having that negative transfer back to the Eagle days. Yeah, Man, just the muscle it, memory. Yeah, because that could yeah. When you need to work, problem. you need to work. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> uh, I think next in the queue I got here, which was kind of interesting, the G7 Summit in Hiroshima this past weekend, which ironically enough, I was there the weekend before last. Uh, so kind of wild. Yeah, did you tour around? Did you see? Uh... Yeah, I got to go down and um, see the Atomic Dome, which if anyone – Hiroshima was not something that was going to be you know on the, the travel list normally for me. But being nearby in Osaka and riding the bullet train, which is impressive, super quiet, super fast, it was an hour, hour train ride down. Seeing the Atomic Dome, the bomb went off, I think, 600 meters high – just slightly southeast of this building. I should share a picture of it if I was savvy enough tech-wise. Maybe I'll throw in the post-edit here. They did a really phenomenal job, and there's a lot of, obviously, emotions tied with it where some people want to just completely bulldoze and get rid of this building and erase the memory, but they decided to preserve it. So there's one building, and around it is still all the rubble and debris from the explosion. And when you see the museum and things like that, it's, it's quite wild. But again, it's kind of interesting. The, all the language barriers that go on the hotel that helped us get down there. She's like, Oh, the G seven summit is there this weekend. And we're like, wait, what? No, like we don't want to go do it. She's like, Oh yeah. no, no, it's next weekend. I was like, okay, we can venture down. So that's fine. Uh, I, I digress, but I saw out of the G seven summit that president Biden announced that, he would support F-16s going to Ukraine. This is a Associated Press article, which highlights a couple of the facts from it, which was, I think, the key pieces for me that I noticed was, obviously, we will train, and then it would be to be determined, I think, the iron, where it would come from, meaning where the F-16s would come from, and the number from that. But what are your thoughts on F-16s going to Ukraine? Yeah, such a while, like... Uh this pendulum has really swung from, you know, the day one of things kicking off and then it turns, it's like it digressed to like trench warfare, you know, shooting rockets and missiles back and forth to, uh, man, Viper's in there. I, I'm curious, we talked a little bit earlier about what does that, man, like what does that fight look for like them to use, like, a, you know, assumption being like they get a squadron of F-16s, assuming they're trained up, but man, putting the F-16 and like, you know, the, like you said, like the double digit SAM, Ooh. uh, not the good spot to be in. And I'm curious what that, I mean, they have fighter pilots that fly, you know, but to get them through training, get them spun up. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, here, the transition course we have for guys flying F-16s or F-15s that come fly F-35s, 
I mean, they're here for a couple months, and like even at that point, they, we kick them out the door as wingmen. Um, right. It takes you know just hours experience, not just like, and you can teach people to fly, but the whole like employment factor and how do you survive and how do you threat react and how do you do all those things, uh, it makes you think like that's it's like a newsflash thing that goes across like cool we get them training in S16s, but I'm I'd be curious to see what the end result and how long that takes. Like, are we talking like a year before they're doing anything successfully, or is it? You know, you you hate to put them in a death trap of like six months, put in the plane, and good luck. You know, kick yeah. them out the door. It's not like you're just giving them a shoulder fired weapon and training them up on it. But you just think like the infrastructure, the maintenance. Shout out to all the maintenance guys and gals yeah. out there. But like, the only reason those planes keep flying and they take a lot of work, the maintainers, right? But you know, you you hit the nail on the head. For my concern would be the the training and employment aspect one, your, your country is at war. So you're going to get a quick spin up in this jet, go back. F 16 is an easy plane to fly. I think, I think yeah. probably most F 16 pilots would say that is a challenging plane to employ depending on the environment, which sure. I guess in Ukraine would probably qualify in my book as a challenging environment to go raging around and trying to employ air-to-air and air-to-ground weapons and not to mention stay alive in a double-digit SAM ring. Yeah. I mean, just the assumption, like, say there's no, let's say there's no air threat, no ground threat. They just have to go from point A to point B and employ weapons to do something. Takes a while to learn. And then you throw in some type of, like, (laughs) defensive counter-air that Russia would throw up or someone else, and then in, like, some type of SAM, you know, engagement zone, too. Like, that would be, that's a lot. It takes a long time for us to get, you know, our fighter pilots ready to do that. Uh, I'd be curious of what that training would look like for them. Yeah. I think there's a lot of complexities. It's more than just like, Hey, we're gonna give you F 16s. Now they're on the face value of this. Maybe it's something to show further support for Ukraine by doing it, but it's not an easy thing to just go, Hey, here's a squadron of F 16s. Good luck. Yeah. Um, you got this. We're all then, on you. I'm guessing too. these F 16s, it's probably gonna be coming from, you know, for military sales, so other countries who've been flying around F-16s for a while, and they're upgrading F-35 or whatever it might be. So you're also going to get a hodgepodge of F-16s. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, this one doesn't have an upfront control panel with this and that. You know, you're just going to get all this weird stuff. So, yeah. Um, again, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, with that. But who am we'll I speak. to say? Yeah. Uh, and then... The other interesting thing with uh, actually, there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's interesting with Ukraine, uh, but Patriot missiles. Yeah, I'll share. I mean, they've, they've released a little while ago about things that they were going to start sending over. Um, I got this video. Uh, Ukraine has its own like Twitter feed, like defensive Ukraine. They kick out and it's always like the videos, <laughs> are, like the highlights of what they do. They're constantly posting like, here's how many jets we shut down. Here's how many, you know, uh, people we killed. But this one, uh, no joke. Let's see if I share it. But uh, they recently, so I guess we, uh, sent over the Patriot battery. So the for those listeners, they're basically it's our own surface-to-air missile, you know, homegrown uh, site. So they created this video I'll show. It's basically uh, a highlight reel. It's probably like the first one showing up. So they show the guys. I'll, I'll let it play. But they show like basically delivery. And then I'll show you a clip at the end which is kind of funny where they're, they're interviewing the guys about what they hope that first target is. Uh, but here's a quick recap. 
Have you been have you been in a Patriot missile battery, by no, the way? Never. Have you seen it? I yeah. Which was anticlimactic, and I'm sure there's different like blocks and upgrades, but um, yeah. So then, the, obviously, there's like the highlight reel, but the interesting, I'll, I'll play to like uh, here. They're interviewing these guys. What's your dream first target? What's your dream <laughs> the first target? Two thirty-five. Take them down. <laughs> so I think the tridents are showing that they. Uh, the more things they shoot down, it sounds like they, they put that on there. But I'll stop that there. But it's kind of interesting, like how that thing shows up. Uh, was he saying those tridents for for S three hundred missile shoot downs? Yeah, I think so. I think it's what I gathered out of it. Uh, so basically, like we're gonna throw those on, you know, start painting the size of our our Patriot battery with that as well too. Um, I mean, I know the Su thirty five is probably causing a lot of pain, but the to not make light of it, but. I was actually talking to my dad today because he went with me to the Dubai Air Show and the Su-35 was there and got a tour of the Su-35. Oh, wow. But, you know, it's doing some crazy maneuvering. The difference between that and the Raptor, you know, the Raptor, that's a full-up combat-capable jet doing a demo. The Su-35's out there, and in Dubai they're very particular, like down to the second for how long you flew or didn't fly. And I was very keyed into this more so than I ever would. Right. But it's like pride myself to land within plus or minus five seconds of a, of a demo, which is usually pretty dynamic. And they were all over the place because they don't fly with full internal gas. So ironically enough, my dad today of all things has nothing to do with this. He goes, do you remember that suit 35? He's like, was it, was I seeing it right? Like, was it like just turning and pointing and doing it? I was like, yeah, it was. And I kind of go through the whole F-22 explanation, but I was like, do you remember that uh, Indiana Jones? I think it was La- uh, Lost Crusader, Last Crusader. Yeah. Like, he's like, the guy's out there wielding his knife, like spinning around, stuff like this, doing all this fancy stuff in the market, and Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Shoots him, yeah. But, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, 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 C-35. Yeah. Like, that thing is so big, it's not stealth. Like, it's going to get shot by a Viper wingman, like, 80 miles out. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, and then they... They're saying with that Su-35, or sorry, with the uh, the Patriot, it shot down a hypersonic missile. So coming out of, I think this is this is NPR, saying that Ukraine, uh, Ukraine said on Saturday that uh, U.S. supplied Patriot missile battery used to intercept an incoming uh, Russian hypersonic missile over the capital of Kiev. Kiev. Yeah. Um, I believe it was the first downing of a sophisticated Russian weapon in Ukraine's first use of the U.S. defense system. So. Obviously, a lot of chatter about hypersonic weapons. Yeah, that's quite the that's quite the headline. Like one, Russia's using hypersonic stuff, which is obviously newer newer things, yep. super fast. Uh, and then the fact that they're claiming that the Patriot uh, was something that intercepted it, which is interesting when you think about like what an intercept profile would have to look like to, <laughs> to, to nail a hypersonic <laughs> weapon. I mean, it's like shooting a BB to hit a BB from like a thousand miles away. Yeah. Um, yeah it's moving like Mach 10. Yeah. Dudes and dudettes with like super thick glasses making stuff happen. Yeah, yeah that's dude. impressive. Yeah. So I guess yeah. it's a good news story. If it, if it, no kidding, was the Patriot that shot it down. Then <laughs> yeah. It's good because uh, we use those too. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, I think that's all I had. 
You uh, you got anything else on your end for this? Yeah, week? I mean, I'll, I'll close up. So I guess since we're talking about the Russia stuff, um, super serious topic. Uh, but in Russia, sense. unfortunately, for those individuals out there, uh, I guess they started like you can, there's the conflict of not everyone in Russia, I guess, is behind Putin and what he wants to do. And so I saw an article about like a mass exodus and guys leaving. So they started like apparently closing down borders and like starting a draft. Um, but this article, I'll save the punchline for it until it shows up, is unfortunately for the men, uh, Putin has now said that if you are planning to change your gender to prevent being drafted to the Ukraine war, uh, the parliament is expected to crack down. So if that was your plan uh, to get out of there, this uh, homeboy right there decide that uh, he is not of the wokeness and is not okay with people changing genders uh, so he can send them <laughs> to to battle, I guess. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but it's one interesting way to get out of a, a war. Uh, I can't imagine how drastic that would be to, to, if that is your plan, whether maybe, maybe people are already leaning that way and planning on doing transition yeah. or if that was no kidding. Like I'm not going to war and it's not worth staying a guy. It's, it's a bold move, cotton. Yeah. Uh, either way. Wouldn't, wouldn't be for me, but yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going really well uh, no. for a lot of Russian conscripts and things like that, but yeah, no kidding. So. Now, now we're going to be yep. well, dude, I think that was uh, a little quick hit of the chalk talk podcast. More to come. Can't wait. I'm excited, man. Good seeing you. If you're make sure if you're listening again, you hit the follow button, you subscribe and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya.